With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dana O'Gorman. But I'm not the only host here today. Joining me is Dan Veen. So the two of us, as I'm sure you guys heard on Dan's last show, we got a little bit of a reprieve. We got a little extension, shall we call it. So as the football likes to call it, we got an extension. We got a note um, from SB Nation that the podcast would be continued through March. And so we are here for bonus. This is all bonus episodes, people. Now, here's the thing. We know we already did our big goodbye show and we already know that we said all the thank yous. We're just going to leave that and just run these as fun because we just feel real lucky that we have them. Um, So we hope you are as excited as we are. Now we are sitting here. We are recording this on Sunday. Should come out today. Um, The, what is it? 12th of March, which is the Sunday before free agency kicks in tomorrow. Um, I believe it's about noon Eastern time, 11 o'clock for me. That would makes it what eight for you guys on the West coast. Um, the legal tampering period kicks in. Now we all know that this is kind of a joke, right? That they've been able to, that many teams have already talked to many agents and many players. It all starts at the combine and, but legally wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It can start tomorrow. The funny thing is the minute the legal tampering period starts is when all the news breaks because it's already been made done. So Dan and I are here today. We are going to go through a couple of things just as a primer for Seahawks fans going into the next really 24, 48 hours. We are going to talk about free agents. We're going to talk about the free agents that Seattle has. We're going to talk about the free agents that maybe Seattle should look at. But almost as importantly, we are going to talk about cap space, because as we know that this is going to be an important part of all of this jiggling around. Now, is it super helpful that Gino's um, contract is already done? Yes. So we really have a good grip on the number that Seattle can use going into free agency. But we are going to lay all that out for you today. Dan. This is a really fun time of year for football, in my opinion. I know other people think it's boring, but I think it's just so much fun right now. It's maybe my favorite time of the year because I I have always enjoyed the team building aspect of the NFL almost as much as what happens on the field during the season. Um, Just the just the excitement of of, you know, being able to fortify your roster and seeing new players come in and, and just seeing the approach that John Schneider is going to take with this roster and Pete Carroll and what their vision is, because we know that they have one. We know that they have a plan and there's likely a plan A, B, C, D and feeling like it's such a refreshing period to be in as a Seahawks fan, because now we know we're building something. We know we're on the way up. Last off season was so confusing, right? We just didn't know how to feel, where it was going to go from there, how long it was going to take to see the vision. Now we can see it starting to come together. And if you're the optimistic type, especially now that Gino's in the fold officially, you can start to see 
more clearly where this roster's headed and the potential for this season where this team might go. And so the next few days, I think, are going to be a roller coaster, whether you're a fan of just the Seahawks or, or anywhere around the league. Uh, buckle up because it's going to be fun and it gets started uh, first thing in the morning. Get started today. Dan, I put that out there. I'm like, you know, I put it on Twitter. I'm like, you know, it all begins today. And I had a couple people ask me, they're like, wait, it doesn't, tampering doesn't start till tomorrow. And it made me laugh a little. I'm like, oh, but you're right. It well, does. Here's how you know. Here's how yeah. you know. And I tweeted something about this this morning. You're starting to see these, these little stories pop up. Uh, these four teams are interested in this player. Right. This player is, you're starting at you know, Baker Mayfield today, Tampa Bay. Those things aren't reporters sitting around trying to trying to drum up content. Those are leaks, mm -hmm. mostly from agents, agents mm -hmm. to try to drum up interest in their clients. And that is all based on conversations that were had at the Combine and the Senior Bowl and in and around there. And, and you, you nailed it. When this legal tampering period opens up, when technically what's supposed to be able to happen, agents and teams can talk about terms, but nobody can sign anything. And yet what's going to happen, just like you said, the second that period starts, we're going to hear player X has agreed to terms with mm -hmm. team X for such and such amount. Those conversations didn't happen in the course of the first two minutes. Of <laughs> 30 <period>. seconds. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes have to be hammered out over the course of time and exchange messages and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's kind of silly, but it does all make for a lot of fun for the fans. You know, one thing that has just broken right as we just um, got on to record this um, is the fact that Jalen Ramsey, it is now reported that the Rams are planning on trading Jalen Ramsey to the Miami yeah. Dolphins. And Jalen seemed real excited about it, according to his tweet. Yeah. But the interesting thing here is that's a little different. That's a trade. And so those things can happen beforehand. That That's not like um, that isn't a free agent situation. Um, and yet it impacts free agency so much. Absolutely. Because as the Rams lose that player, they gain the cap space and then they have a need. And so then do you go after free agency? Do you wait for the draft? And we all know that right now, if you look at the NFC West, um, the Rams are in, they would like to call it a reshaping of their team. Their, I think it was their general manager had the weirdest like conversation and, and press conference. He was talking about how Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are the, the walls holding up the place. Well, if you only have three walls holding up the whole team, you're screwed because you need a fourth wall, right? Yeah, but uh, you yeah. can... Matt Stafford is was questionable if he was even going to retire, if he was even going to play, what he was going to do. Aaron Donald, same thing. Both of them threatened to retire. Cooper Cup is their stronghold, which is wonderful. But that team has a lot of ground to cover and a lot of um, holes that they are going to have to fill at this point. They've lost Bobby Wagner, who we will talk about here in a bit, and they've lost a lot of other players. Um, Arizona. Who the, who the hell knows what's going on with Arizona, right? Like, seriously, they're going to they're going to trade out that third pick. I almost can guarantee that because yeah. they don't need a quarterback. But with Arizona, you can see what's happening. I mean, they're, they are building. Right. You, can, you can kind of see the direction they're headed. The Ram, I have no idea. It's, I'm mm -mm. fascinated, I'm bewildered. When Sean McVay decided to come back, and this is how weird this offseason has been for the Rams. First of all, he let his entire staff look around for other jobs. We know that he has broadcasting waiting for him anytime he wants it. And he's considered it the last two off seasons. He decides to come back. And so we all think what they're going to make one more. They're going to take one more shot at it. They mm -hmm. have, they've sold their soul to this, this high end top heavy roster with these six or seven cap hits above 20 million. They're going to build around those stars. They've, 
They've robbed their roster of depth because they've sold themselves to that idea. So they're going to take one yep. more shot at it, hoping when these guys come back healthy this year, maybe they can contend. And yet now they're tearing it down. Yeah. But they don't have the picks to build it back up again. If you trade Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins, you're not getting a first this year because they don't have one. No. Dolphins no, it was taken from them. Yeah. And so I it's is Sean McVay really on board with a complete and total long-term rebuild? I don't know. But as a Seahawks fan, how it affects us, I'm telling you right now, I, I think the Rams are an afterthought in this division mm-hmm. for at least the next couple of seasons. It's um I'm shocked that this yeah. is going down. It, it literally, I, I mean, especially when your head coach is like, no, what is he even 40 yet? I don't even know if he's even 40 yet. And he's like, you know, I think I might retire. It's like, oh, your dedication. It's so inspiring. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me. How does Aaron Donald feel? Because last offseason, what was the talk with him? He might retire. Right. Right. But he, he decided again. Hey, and that now they're going to strip the roster around him. I, I don't know. I'd ask for a trade. Aaron Donald asked for a trade. Ask for a trade right up, the, right up the coast, sir. That's what I want you to do. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> but it's interesting. And then you have San Francisco who still has so many question marks surrounding mm. their quarterback situation. Um, and that's really their biggest question mark. The funny thing is it's the the biggest hole too in that you can yeah. have on your team. The rest of that team is still so good. And I will always and they're in really good shape. You yeah, know, they're they they've done a really great. nice job of managing their salaries yep. and, and they're not in any trouble anytime. No. Soon. Unfortunately, Seahawks fans, we're gonna have to deal with San Francisco mm-hmm. for quite a while. That is for sure. Indeed. All right, but let's focus on the team which we cover. So Seattle is in a very interesting spot. They obviously re-signed Geno Smith um to a very team friendly uh, contract. I don't know that anyone could have asked for more as a fan, as a salary cap person, um, as anything. And then Gino's thrilled with it because he's betting on himself and could make a huge amount of money if he plays the way he thinks he can. I have a, you, okay, Dan, you probably know this about me. And for maybe our listeners who don't, um, I'm going to explain some, I don't like quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks are, they annoy the hell out of me. Their egos drive me insane. And I just, quarterbacks, usually I just give a little cringe. They're not my favorite. And this this one was a perfect example of why. Because we expected Gino to cash in, get every single dime he could out of wherever he could do it. And he could go in and take a huge percentage of some team's cap because someone would pay him to do that. Huge kudos to Eugenio Smith. He didn't do it. He took a very team-friendly deal. He bet on himself. He understood, A, what his market was, and B, what he was worth to this team, and yet wants a team around him, right? You can tell. He wants to win something. Huge departure from so much, so many other quarterbacks that we have seen. There's only a handful we can see, and God knows it cringes me to say it, but Tom Brady's one of them. He took very team-friendly deals for mm-hmm. years up in New England. Um, even Patrick Mahomes, you look at his deal now, we were so shocked by what it was, and yet it is a very team-friendly deal. Good for you, Patrick Mahomes. And so this was really impressive to me. But what this does, Dan, and I'm sure you mentioned this before, is that this opens up the door and a lot of paths for Seattle when it comes to their free agency because their cap now looks pretty good. It does. And and first of all, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole Geno Smith thing that as details started to come out and then he had his press conference two days ago, 
I'm pinching myself. Like, no, right. To your point, it's we just don't see this. We mm-hmm. we don't see not just quarterbacks, but star players take less. And and make no mistake, there are people out there. I had to block someone on Twitter the other day that I that I have had some really good discourse with over the years and enjoyed following and being followed by. But he was he became so negative and cynical in in saying that Pete Carroll and John Schneider took advantage of Geno Smith and fleeced him. I just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that type of attitude. Geno Smith knew exactly what he was doing and and make no mistake, if he had gone to the open market and for anyone that does believe that maybe the Seahawks took advantage of his loyalty, he had all the, he had all the power here. He could have turned that contract down and gone to the open market starting tomorrow. He might not have gotten more than three one Oh five, but he probably would have gotten more guaranteed money in more security. And, and guaranteed money in the second or third year, there would have been a significant market for his services. He wanted to be here. He wanted the familiarity of it. He likes what they're building here. He, he knows he's a leader in that locker room and he enjoys that role. He loves playing for Pete Carroll. He's been open about that. He's excited about being for the first time in his career in the same offensive system, two straight years, surrounded by weapons. Um, it's it's just it's refreshing and it's unusual and in particular because our last quarterback was the opposite of that mm-hmm. right always talked about team always wanted to be the highest paid player in the history of the game every mm-hmm. time his contract came up it does give the Seahawks some flexibility and we're going to talk about that and even though you look at the numbers and it doesn't look like there's a tremendous amount of cap space i always i always refer to it this way first of all as you've said many times on this show <laughs> isn't real cap isn't real people Um, it can be manipulated but there is a cost to manipulating it we're seeing that we're seeing that catch up to teams like tampa bay and the rams right and the new orleans saints at some point it catches up to you what cap space does whether it's 5 million or 20 million is it gives you flexibility Mm -hmm. in how you structure contracts and the more cap space you have the more flexibility you have and the seahawks have some flexibility they can pursue players. And I do believe for maybe the first time in a while that they're not going to go again. They, they don't have a history of playing at the top of the free agent market. I don't think that's going to change this offseason. But there were some comments from Pete Carroll a week ago about how excited he was to get free agency started. I do think they have their eye on adding a couple starting caliber players, similar to how they added Uchenna Nwosu last year. Mm-hmm. And they're going to use some of that flexibility to do that so that heading into the draft, some of those holes are filled. So it should mm-hmm. be a fairly active time for the Seahawks, even though don't look for any of the big, expensive superstar players. Right. So looking at their cap, according to overthecap.com in 23, they will have about 20 million in cap space. This is after the Geno contract. Yeah. Um, but then you look at some of their their highest paid players, which, by the way, Gino's way down the list. God love him. But we have Jamal Adams, um, who has a cap hit, um, I believe, this year of 18. Quandre has one of 18. Um, Tyler at 16. DK at 13. I And this is what we talk about when we talk about um, flexibility. What we mean is just restructuring contacts, we've, or contracts. We've seen other teams already start it this year. Like they're moving some money around. They're, they're moving things around. Um, they extend a player so that they can shuffle that money out. 
So mm-hmm. whereas you might see Jamal Adams, and, and a lot of people are talking about cutting Jamal Adams. I'm telling you right now, this, I don't see that happening for Seattle this year. Um, just because the dead money, it makes more sense if they're going to do it, should do it next year. Um, but all they would really need to do is to restructure that contract. And that would give Seattle a huge amount of flexibility. Quandre Diggs, I think, is the one that we need to watch because Quandre Diggs has been out there. He is recruiting, I swear to God, every single player. Today, he was talking about what he would be a terrible cap manager. He wants to sign everybody. <laughs> he wants them all. God love him. He cracks me up so much because the center that got cut today, the all pro center, whose name is now is Ryan Kelly. Yes. Yeah. He was like, come on down. He's like, right. Gino, look at this guy. Look at this yeah. guy. And it's so funny. I could see Quandre restructuring his contract to bring some of these people back, especially yeah. with Bobby Wagner, who we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. But so there is that flexibility to kind of change and switch it up. So if you need a cap hit for a decent player, that's, you know, five to eight million, you can find it and you can find it pretty easily. So I don't want people to be, there were a couple comments that are like, oh, we need more cap space. We don't have any cap space. There's always ways. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to get 40 million in cap? No, you're not going to get that, but you'll get enough to get some of those players under contract. So Seattle is not in a terrible place cap wise. And I've seen that a little bit on Twitter. They really aren't people. They're actually, they are doing just fine. What does that then turn into? That turns into free agency. Now, Dan, remind me, how much cap do they need to keep, cap space do they need to keep for their rookie class? It's about 10 to $12 million. Okay. Well, I've seen it as low as eight, depending on the, where they select in the slots right. for those picks. But there's also practice squad, and then they always hold a little bit back for contingencies too, mid-season um, signings that need to be made. So I've seen those numbers anywhere from 10 to $12 million. I tend to go conservative which would mean in effective cap space, the number of dollars that they have to spend tomorrow, unless they make any other moves. And there may be one that hasn't been made yet that's been hinted at. Mm-hmm. Um, they have eight to $9 million to work with in effective cap space. And what I, what I expect to see, kind of their MO is, rather than clear all the cap space they can and then go to the store, right? Mm-hmm. They may make those moves as they get commitments and go along and kind of and kind of heads mm-hmm. up because because I do think all these moves that that people talk about where we could clear all this space by cutting Quentin Jefferson, Al Wood, Shelby Harris, all of that, I think they want to keep some of those players. I do too. If they can, and so I think it's going to kind of go day to day and and it's a fluid mm-hmm. situation. We'll see how that progresses. Yeah, Shelby Harris put out that tweet that had everyone real concerned. We were all expecting him to be cut at any point. I don't think that he is the highest on their list. And it'll be interesting because we have to remember every player they cut, they have to replace. And so they have to make sure that they they are able to do that. And Shelby Harris actually played pretty well last year. And so why wouldn't they keep him? Maybe not. Maybe just restructuring, you know, whatever it may be. There will be some cuts and there's going to be a couple that really suck or players that we don't get re-signed. So let's look at really quickly the um, Seahawks free agents. So these are teams that these are players that played for the team last year that are under um, free agency now. So obviously we're going to start with the unrestricted free agents. Gino was at the top of that list. That's been taken mm-hmm. care of. But this is quite a list. I'm going to read this off to you guys. And I'm sorry because it's kind of long, but I want you guys to get a grasp of how many players technically as of Wednesday are no longer in contract with Seattle. So we have Cody Barton, Puna Ford, Rashad Penny, Jonathan Abram, LJ Collier, Artie Burns, Drew Locke, Marquise Goodwin, Kyle Fuller, Justin Coleman, Bruce Irving, uh, Irvin, excuse me, Tyler Ott, Josh Jones, Carson Tinker, 
Laquan Treadwell, Colin Gillespie, I always say that one wrong, Xavier Crawford, Tez Tabler, who I want to talk about a little bit, Travis Homer, and Daryl Johnson. That is, damn, that's a huge number of people, just the unrestricted free agents. There's more under-restricted, and I mean, it goes on. It is, and it can be overwhelming, and I think you make a good point. You know, some of those names, I'm going to use a baseball term, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm surprised it doesn't get used as much in football because I think it really applies, and that's replacement level. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those guys uh, can be good, solid players that fill a role on the roster and you may be nervous about them leaving, but they're going to be replaced by someone either through the draft or lower level free agency or unrestricted free agent or uh, undrafted free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some of those guys are significant. And some of them aren't, you know, like I, I, people might not think about this guy, but I think, I think about Daryl Johnson, right? We need five techs. We need three, four defensive ends on this roster. He played pretty well last year before he got hurt. He fills that big, he's 6'5", 285. He'd be cheap, you know? Guys like that may be filled into the roster after the draft um, and brought back. But there's there's certainly some intrigue on that list. Yeah, for sure. I think the one that, that most people have talked about that they're pretty sure Seattle won't bring back or at least let him go test the market, which he has a market, a big market, is Puna Ford. And I think that Puna has been a huge fan favorite. Everyone loves Puna. But as we have talked about on this show, he doesn't always fit our scheme right now. And I honestly, he, A, would probably be better off on another team as much as I enjoy him, you know, talent-wise. And the money that he's going to command, I don't think Seattle's going to want to pay. It'll be interesting. There's a fairly significant group of of, uh, defensive linemen in the free agent class this year. That's true. And Pete Carroll has said, exactly what you did that he was playing he was miscast this year he was playing out of position that that he should be playing at nose tackle that was kind of Al Woods spot this year I think that if he goes out and tests the market I he the Seahawks have probably let him know what their number might be he might be someone that that they would bring back I do think that that's a position on this roster though that they're looking at a different body type Pete Carroll talked specifically at the end of the season about how much he envies the San Francisco defensive line, and in particular, how long they are, and Eric Armstead and uh, and Nick Bosa. So um, I just think they love Puna, but he just doesn't fit what they're looking for body type right now, and uh, he'll probably move on. Yeah, and to be honest with you, another team will grab him. I, I've talked to many people who are like, so you guys bring back Puna? I'm like, I don't think so. They're like, good, because they want him on their team. Probably so- a 4 team, yeah. Yeah, don't don't worry about Puna too much. Um, the other conversation often surrounds Cody Barton. Talk mm-hmm. about a player that brings a lot of love hate, depending on what side of the, yeah. the the spectrum you are there. Um, Cody Barton, I think that he was played as more of a primary role last year. I don't know that that's he is not their answer at linebacker, but it doesn't mean he's not a decent depth at linebacker. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see what happens with that for the Seahawks and for him. I like Cody. I liked him coming out. Um, I think he fits as a guy that can play both positions, but Mm -hmm. probably not that you want to count on. It's funny, the disconnect between what fans think of him and what really respected analysts think of him. You know, our our friend, friend of the show, Griffin Sturgeon, says he's a good football player. If you watched Brett Coleman's breakdown last week on the Seahawks offseason, he said they should bring him back if the number can be two to three million on mm-hmm. a one-year deal because he is an effective coverage linebacker and he can cover a lot of ground. And, and, um, and he's, I, I think he, that term that I just use replacement level, he's a yeah. good player. 
I think the yeah. Seahawks, the Seahawks fans may have a expected a little too much out of him and B maybe underestimating how difficult it was to play inside linebacker for this team last year, given the poor play up front. They, were, they just weren't keeping blockers off of those guys at the second mm-hmm. level. So I think he'll have a market, but probably in a similar role to what the Seahawks have. Here's the thing that, that he has going for him. If he does want to return, Seahawks don't have any linebackers right now. <laughs> they don't, they're either not under contract or on the injured reserve list in Jordan Brooks. And so, they have to add players there and they have to add some semblance of um, reliability and a known quantity there. Um, they can't just go in as much as some fans think this is the, the panacea and the answer. They just can't go into the draft and draft three of them and fix it. you got to have some veterans there. So whether that's Cody Barton or someone else from the list of free agents out there, we'll mm-hmm. see. There's a lot on here that I know a lot of people will be okay with. I really think Bruce Irvin is probably getting real close to retirement, obviously, even though he's a fan favorite. But there's some players on here I think they'll be able to bring back. I think, um, and I wanted to mention Tiz Tabler, you know, the couple of times that he came in, he is not a starter. He is not an elite player. Um, But the couple of times that he came in last year, he was solid. That is a good injury, you know, insurance policy. So players like that and at that level, I think they'll be able to bring back probably at that minimum and be able to bring bring back in. And so you have a little bit of consistency there. Um, the one that a lot of people have been talking about, which is really interesting to me, is Marquise Goodwin. There is a large fan contingent out there that really want them to bring him back um, because they thought they had played. He had played quite well last year. Yeah, I do hear that a lot. Um and the Seahawks need a third receiver. We know that. Mm-hmm. And we saw how much better that offense operated when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who can forget the Chargers game when he had two touchdowns. And and he really complimented the other two guys well. And another one in that same vein that I, I could see, because the Seahawks like continuity. And it, they like they like to keep the roster intact as much as possible. And I think, I think they would have some interest in bringing Laquan Treadwell back too. He's not going to... Yep. He's not going to command anything more than the than the vet minimum, probably. But a former first round pick, still only twenty eight years old, they used him more and more near the end of the year. He's got some versatility. I think he's got some return in his in his tool belt, and um, you know, big and athletic and all that. There's a lot of names like that on the list, though, of guys that mm-hmm. they might just bring back for a look. Jonathan Abram is the other one, and, yep. and I think your point, Tabor, because he's got some versatility and and. Uh, it's, a lot of those people will come back. They won't be headlines. You might wake up one morning and realize that we signed them a week ago, but (laughs) but they'll try to fill in as many of those spots as they can. I have to tell you, I put something controversial out there Uh oh! and I got a little bit of mixed reaction to it, but I really want him to bring Rashad Penny back. I think the one, two punch between him and Kenneth Walker and yes, Kenneth Walker is the starter. We get that, but I loved it when they were both there and you watched the progression of Walker and with this team's history, you have to have two good running backs because they lose them to injury all the time. And I know a lot of people aren't thrilled about, you know, Penny's injury history, but just think of the beginning last season before he got hurt in that saints game, he was on fire. Well, two things I'll say about that. One is the running back market is going to be depressed this offseason. There is a big group of veteran running backs, and it's a very, very good running back draft. Daniel Jeremiah said there's 12, 13 starters in this draft littered throughout all the rounds. Um, And the second thing I'll say is this. Rashad Penny isn't injury prone. CJ Proceis was injury prone. What were his injuries? 
hamstring pulls, Mm -hmm. groins, quads, right? Soft tissue. Rashad Penny's tearing ACLs and breaking legs. That's not injury. He's not brittle. No. He's had some really, really terrible luck. And if he can come back, if the team thinks he's going to be 100%, he's not going to cost very much either. And I think it makes right. a lot of sense to bring him back. Me too. I agree. Okay, so let's look a little further down this list. So then you have restricted free agents. Um, and you have a couple of interesting names on there. Um, Ryan Neal, Penny Hart, Tanner Muse, and Tony Jones Jr. Um, I think the one most people are talking about is Ryan Neal on that list. Yeah. So his case is interesting. They can tender him at uh, certain spots. And the most common tender I've seen thrown around is a second round tender. What that means is if he signs that tender, they place that tender on him. Another team can negotiate with him. Another team can sign him. The Seahawks would get a second round pick if he were to go elsewhere. They would get an opportunity to match. Um, That tender is about 4.2 or 4.3 million though. And so that's where it gets complicated. The Seahawks only have eight or nine million in effective cap space. We'll get to that in a second. Um, if they were to tender him tomorrow, well, 4.2-ish million of that goes away for now. Yeah. But keep in mind, the money that we talk about that's allocated for the draft, they don't have to spend that for another couple of months. So that flexibility between now and then is a lot greater than it will be after that. So don't think when we talk about this, don't think, oh, they only have eight or nine million to spend tomorrow. No, they don't. They can go a little crazy this week if they want to. And then and then they would have still another couple of months to, to reel some of that in. So I fully expect them to tender him, especially with Diggs injury history and Adams recuperating from another severe injury. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. And they'll figure out a way to get that done. And, and hopefully it'll lead to a longer contract. Yeah. So then you have what's left is the exclusive rights free agents. And for those people who don't know, it's for um, free agents with less than three accrued seasons um, whose contract expiring. Basically, if Seattle offers him a one-year contract at league minimum, um, he can't negotiate with other teams, right? So that's what it is. Um, a couple of interesting names on there. Miles Adams is very interesting to me. Cody Thompson, John Radigan, who has some reason is a fan favorite people love john radigan mm-hmm. uh michael jackson and then a uh, goodwin and i'm gonna screw up your last name i so apologize it's Igwebuki, i think is how you say that one so that it's a short list so the rest of these are, are some short lists um yeah. and so we'll see what seattle ends up doing with them so it gives them a little think, flexibility there i think michael jackson's a no-brainer I, mm-hmm. I think you know a starting level cornerback who played well last year um, to be able to bring a guy like that back for cheap and let him compete with Trey Brown for that left cornerback spot. I think that's a no brainer. And I'm glad that you mentioned miles Adams, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, you look at him and you look at what he did late in the season and what he did in the preseason, even and just his build. Um, he's not one of those big longer guys we talk about, but he can get after the passer. And I think there's more there to be unlocked and, uh, and you can bring him back for dirt cheap. Um, yep. I, I would expect to see him on the on the roster come training camp. Me too. All right, so that's the ones that are in Seattle. Now let's talk. Let's talk about the fun stuff, right? The ones that are outside mm-hmm. of Seattle. Um, and there's quite a list. Yeah. Let's just get it out of the way. The number one free agent that everyone is talking about for Seattle is one Mr. Bobby Wagner. I want you to tell me, Dan, how do you feel about the whole Bobby Wagner situation? whether or not you should bring him back. Then let's talk about his market and what's out there because the linebacker list, extensive. It is. And and that's a good thing for for Seattle 
from both angles. One is it should keep Bobby's price down. And the other one is it just gives the Seahawks more options because they probably need to add a couple of bodies here. Right. Um, and not, again, not necessarily superstar level. There's some guys out there that I like that are kind of young and ascending, um, similar to what we saw with Luchana Nuosu last year. My view on Bobby Wagner has changed since you and I and Brandon talked and the news really? had just broke. It's, I thought at that time, I think I said on the show that, that he would probably get more money elsewhere than the Seahawks are willing to pay. That I kind of thought someone out there would be willing to pay him the $10 million annually that he was getting from the Rams. Um, I'm not so sure anymore. And what's also changed my opinion are the reports. We know that Brock Heward reached out to him and uh, Bobby told him, yeah, I'm interested that uh, Greg Bell of the News Tribune has reported the Seahawks are keenly interested, his words, mm -hmm. in bringing Bobby back, that there is significant um, interest and that they've talked. John Schneider and Pete Carroll admitted it and that they said, and this is where I, I've kind of come full circle. Because when I first heard Schneider's comments, or I think it was Pete that said, we've had frank discussions with Bobby. And I took that to mean, or they said, he knows where we are. We know where he is. I took mm -hmm. that to mean that they said, here's how much we're willing to pay you, not a penny more. And you're not going to be a full-time player anymore. You're right. not going to play three downs anymore. Maybe initially if Jordan Brooks isn't back yet, but then you're going to play a role. I took that to mean, okay, they're doing their due diligence. They're respecting a legend. He's going to find a full-time job elsewhere. But it sounds like he may be open to the fact that maybe he comes back here, signs a deal. One of those deals that looks bigger than it is, right. has some outs, and allows him to finish his career in Seattle and retire a Seahawk. I think it makes some sense, and especially because, look, the reason they let him go wasn't just the $20 million cap hit. It was, he's not the player he used to be physically. He can't cover mm -hmm. the ground that he used to. And especially in coverage, there were some things the Seahawks had to do with their scheme two years ago to, to cover up for him on the back end. But then the Rams went and used him in a different way and showed that there's more in the tank. And I think, I think there is a role here for him that makes sense. And certainly his presence in that locker room and where this team thinks they're on the verge of going would make some sense. I'd put it maybe at 50-50, because I do think that there's an opportunity, there's a chance that another team out there will pay, uh, will pay more than the Seahawks are willing to pay to get Bobby Wagner on their roster. So we'll see. For two two reasons for that. Number one, because you're right. Last year we did see that there was more, and maybe he was just bound and determined to show that there was still some stuff left in the tank. We all know that you know he's getting older now. But number two, he's a great name, right? Like yeah. I've had, I can't even tell you the handful of Dolphins fans that have reached out and said, Dana, we want Bobby in Miami. I'm like, really? That's interesting. Okay. I, I then I realize how respected and beloved throughout the league, Bobby Wagner and that name mm -hmm. is, right? And so it makes sense. It's, I hate to say PR, but it's good PR and it looks good for your team. Bobby has always said from the get, even, I mean, even in his goodbye to Seattle, even though he was so pissed at the time, he said, I, the, I will live in Seattle again. I'm going to, when I retire, that's where I'm moving back. Like that's his home. And I think that that, you know, is true. He's from LA. We get it. That's mm -hmm. where his family is, but he loved Seattle on so many levels. Like, he didn't want to go anywhere, you know, when he, when they cut him. But the interesting thing to me too, and this is just my, like a little weird intuition I have. Bobby Wagner, to me, seems like a guy who might be interested in coaching. 
he likes to kind of, you know, coach up the younger players. And there's a million people out there. It's like, oh, no, no one wants to train their replacement. Well, if you know you only have one or two years left and maybe you want your foot in the door there, that could be possible. Yeah. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying I have any insider information. It's just a weird gut feeling I have. But at the same time, I think that it would be easier for an older player to go back to something somewhat familiar and know that you will be beloved and happily received, even if you don't play great. You know, right. there might be some pull to that. I put it a little bit higher. I think that that sure. may be about a 60% chance that he ends up here, unless someone throws a ridiculous amount of money at him. But sure. if you look at the rest of that linebacker list, I don't know that that's going to happen because the linebacker list, it's it goes on and on and on. Yeah. I actually looked at the tweet that you had retweeted from Ari. And I mean, the list, it's crazy. Tremaine Edmonds, Bobby Wagner, Levante David, David Long, Eric Hendricks, Bobby. I mean, there's TJ Edwards, Jermaine Pratt. I mean, it just goes on and on. A lot of first round picks, finishing the first contract, a lot of big names, a lot of perennial pro bowlers, just about, you know. Devin Bush. Yeah, like it's like goes on and on and on. And so what's interesting to me, it's like, yes, we would love to have Bobby come back, but would it be better to get one of those younger players? Yeah. Yeah. Or one of each. (laughs) <laughs> why not fair. why not That's bobby fair. back and then uh you know as a guy that can play both spots and play alongside jordan we know he can do that and and um although what would be interesting to me is you know if covering a lot of ground is not bobby's game anymore then if we do bring him back and then jordan comes back healthy then does jordan slide back over to weak side linebacker so that bobby can focus mm-hmm. on playing the mic it's it's i'm sure it's part of those discussions that pete and john said that they had with them i tend to when i look at that linebacker list there's one that stands out he'd be not inexpensive but again with the market being flooded you might mm-hmm. be able to to structure a reasonable deal and then there's some younger guys that are kind of under the radar and those are the types that i tend to like that I think they haven't really unlocked everything, all their potential yet. I think those are the kind of guys the Seahawks look at too. But to me, the top of that list is Jermaine Pratt. Uh, He's a guy from Cincinnati that they're not going to resign because they have to pay Logan Wilson next year. They have to pay Joe Burrow. Burrow. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, they have to, they're, they're at that point in their development. Um, He's big, 6'4", 250. But surprisingly for that body type, I think he was PFF's top rated coverage linebacker in the NFL last year, but he's also really physical and he comes up and he hits and he lays the lumber. Um, He's a guy that makes all the sense in the world. He's going to make sense for other teams too. There'll be a lot of competition for his services, but that's the guy at the top of the list for me. Right. The other position that's interesting to me that seems to cause a lot of controversy, to be honest with you, is quarterback. So obviously, you know, Drew Locke is now considered a free agent. And if we learned anything from San Francisco's situation last year, it's that you can't go into the season with two quarterbacks. You can't. You end up with your running back throwing the ball like it's just you just can't do it. We I think we all learned that lesson. So obviously, Gino is back. I know that a lot of Seahawks fans still want them to draft a quarterback. That only leaves you two. I still think it's smart to have a third veteran quarterback sitting in there. There are some names that will not be expensive and don't want to pretend that they're going to be starters anymore, necessarily, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the list right now, you know, you have Carson Wentz. No, thank you. Tom Brady still hasn't retired. Come on, Tom. Let's just take care of that, shall we? <laughs> Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield. Now, some of those names here might be like, no, 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 I want to start. I want to start Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold. Then there's a couple that maybe not. 
There's one name that interests me, and it's probably just because I have a soft spot for him, and I have no idea why, and it's Jacoby Brissett. Mm. Same. Yeah. And uh, and do not forget, and granted, this was when Brian Schottenheimer was our offensive coordinator, and he had worked with Brissett in Indianapolis for a year, but there was uh, a year that the Seahawks offered a second-round pick to trade for Jacoby yeah. Brissett. They wanted him to come in and back up Russell Wilson at the time and really liked his game. Whether that it remains to be seen now with Shane Waldron, in the fold, but I think I tweeted his name about a month ago as a guy to keep an eye on mm-hmm. that if they don't draft a quarterback higher, even if they do, especially if it's a guy like Richardson or Levis, it's going to need some development time. The Seahawks have proven by having Geno Smith be their backup that they prefer a veteran guy. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go into the season with a fifth round rookie quarterback as their backup quarterback in the event that something happens to Geno. So they will sign a veteran, but I'm going to, I'll say this. There's been so much focus on the way this contract for Geno has been structured in that it does allow for drafting a quarterback with the idea that if he's ready next year, he could take over next year and they could cut Geno or trade him with very little pain. That scenario also fits really well with a report that we saw halfway through the season that they would also like to bring back Drew Locke. We know that John Schneider likes Drew Locke, that one of the reasons he liked the trade package that was being offered by the Broncos was he likes Locke. We have heard all throughout the year about how much they like the work he did in practice and they like his potential to maybe be the next Geno Smith as a guy who resurrects his career. If he needs another year or two in the system and there isn't a market out there for him as a starter, then if you can bring him back at a, at the same number it would cost you to get one of these veteran quarterbacks, which typically is, I don't know what, the three, $4 million range. Mm-hmm then why wouldn't you keep that continuity if you really believe in his upside? Because I thought Tampa Bay is the team that would make the most sense for Drew Locke. Obviously, right. Dave, Dave Canales goes there as the offensive coordinator. But there are reports today that they might be eyeing Baker Mayfield as a guy to come in and compete with Kyle Trask. And so if Drew Locke doesn't have a starting opportunity out there, why not bring him back and just keep the band together? And then you can, you know, Maybe even ditch this whole idea of taking a quarterback at five and and take another look at that next year. Just something to keep in mind. Definitely. Yeah. Otherwise, you go a little further on that quarterback list and it gets real unimpressive really quick, you know? Yeah. And and we also know that there's history with Sam Darnold. I just, you know, and there were the reports two years ago when Russell trade talk first cropped up that that's where they would turn when he was still with the Jets. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's the USC connection and and Pete's, you know, likes him. I just... I think he's going to get an opportunity to start somewhere. Is there anywhere else on the offense that you would see them possibly going? I mean, we've talked about free agency within Seattle for wide receiver. Obviously this is a crazy good tight end draft. So let's not even play that game a little bit. That really kind of screws the tight ends under free agents this year. Um, Do you see them looking offensive line, maybe center, as we kind of hinted at before? Or do you think the rest of free agency would focus on defense? I really see them making very, very little commitment to the offensive side of the ball in free agency. I just don't. Me too. People say center, but then look at the center market. When Ethan Posick is the best center available on the free agent market, yes, he played better in, in Cleveland last year than he did in Seattle but he's had an injury history. He's 28, 29 years old now, and it's a solid center draft. Are you going to go back down that road and and allocate that money to a veteran free agent when, or a mediocre veteran free agent, um, when it's, when it could be 
better spent on defense. And even Ryan Kelly, who you mentioned today, there's a reason that the Colts are thinking about moving on from him. He, he allowed seven sacks last year. That's a career high. He's broken down physically and might not be the player that we thought he was. So, you know, fans want a center, but there, there really isn't much out there. And, and if your next idea is to then look at the guards, look, they're paying Phil Haynes starter guard money. Does that mean that he's guaranteed to be the starting right guard? No, of course not. They might draft a guy. They might draft a guy high to compete with him, but they're giving him significant guaranteed money next year with the idea that he's going to, he's going to play. I don't think they're going to commit any significant dollars to a veteran Mm -hmm. interior offensive lineman. I I, I just don't see it. It makes more sense that they would spend that money on defense if they're Mm -hmm. going to do it at all. And I want to remind people of that. You know, this is not Seattle's bag, right? Like this is not really what they do too often. And like you said, Pete, Pete, Pete has hinted at it, but let's be honest, Pete hints at a lot of things that never yeah. happen. So we want to keep that in mind to a certain extent, but it makes more sense if they were going to spend it um, on, on any, you know, any one position, it would be a defensive position without question. Absolutely. Yeah. Is they don't want to go, you know, we've all had a lot of fun with mock drafts and talking about this defensive front seven class this year. Cause it's a good one. It's a it really is. interesting one, especially you know, regardless of what they do at five, especially day two, man, I love this defensive line group and edge group. And, and there's some fun linebackers in there too, but it's a solid free agent class too. And they don't want to go in. They're not going to scrap the defensive line and go mm-hmm. all rookies next year. That just yeah. isn't work. No, but there are so many names on this defensive line free agent list that I like. And guys that I think, again, to use the analogy of Nuosu, that you can sign to a, a mid-level type tier two or three contract and get this guy's best years out of him that would fit the scheme better than the players we had. Um, let's start here because fans love names, right? Mm-hmm, they do. They want names. And I typically don't like uh, going after superstar names in free agency, but there's one that makes a lot of sense to me. The Eagles are in some salary cap challenges. They got to pay Jalen Hurts. They have a lot of high paid players on defense. Fletcher Cox is only 32 years old. I, it's shocking. It feels like I know. it feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. It really does. It, I it, to know. me, he kind of he's like Calais Campbell. Like, is he 50 now? Um, and he's a guy that we know that Pete Carroll reveres every time they play the Eagles. He talks about Fletcher Cox. Only 32. They restructured his deal last year, so they'd have an out this year. They basically added two dummy years to it. So he's a free agent. Played 65% of their snaps last year. It's about what he's played over the last four or five years. Had seven sacks, 14 quarterback hits, still effective. And he fits that bigger, longer interior, exterior. He can play five technique. He can play nose, six, four, three, ten. That he'll cost a little money, but at this point in his career, might, you know, be willing to structure some things. So he gets some upfront money. He's made a lot of money in his career and plays for a team that has a chance to win if the Eagles move on from them. And I don't know that they can afford to bring him back. So that's one name. And then I have, I have four guys. Can I, can I mention something though? I, I have to tell you, I was so heartbroken when the Eagles re-signed Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham has been one of my favorite oh, know, players like, in yeah. the league. You know how much I love him. I mm-hmm. wanted him in Seahawks blue for years. And I thought maybe this was the year that someone could wiggle him out of Philly. Damn them anyway, they decided to keep him. Anyway, he, sorry, go ahead. He did that Bobby Wagner thing, I think. You I know? Know. He just wants to end his career. And and Cox may too. He may be willing to take a really creative deal to stay in Philadelphia. But if he's available, I'd be shocked if the CX don't at least pick up the phone. or have right. it Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But when you want to, if you're looking at that mold that I mentioned earlier, guys that are 26 to 28 years old, 
coming off their first or second contract that are ascending, but that fit physically that defensive line mold that I'm looking for, bigger, taller, longer, stronger at the point of attack. Um, there's four four names to keep, keep in mind. Uh, okay. Zach Allen from Arizona is a guy that I really like. He's going to have, he's, there's going to be a market for his services. Um, just 26 years old, had nine and a half uh, sacks the last two years. 6'5", 285, fits that mold. Anthony Nelson is another guy. Liked him coming out of Iowa a couple of years ago. 6'7", 271, long arms, big wingspan. Uh, ten and a half sacks the last two years for Tampa Bay. Marcus Davenport, former first-round pick of the New Orleans Saints. Big name. Another guy, 6'6", 264, only 27 years old. He's had injuries. And that will keep his market down a little bit. But in 2021, had nine sacks, 21 and a half in his career. And then my sleeper. John Kaminsky, this guy was a draft crush of mine in 2020. I think he came out out of Charleston, small school. It's hard to find film on him, but he was a beast. 6'5", 286, really athletic. He was an undrafted free agent, signed with Detroit, really came on in flash last year, playing next to Aiden Hutchinson, had four sacks and five tackles for loss. A guy you could have uh, affordably, but uh, really might add some strength and athleticism up front. So if you've See some signings over the next few days of names you don't really recognize. Look a little deeper because there's some mm-hmm. fun players out there. And I think that's it. You know, people people want the name, right? They want the splash. They want to think. But we have to remember that it's not just one player that's going to fix yeah. this team. On the defense, there were so many holes and so many needs that it makes more sense to take these mid-level tier guys who have a huge upside to yeah. them. Um, and and fill in multiple worlds. Plus, you need depth. You need all kinds of stuff. It doesn't mean the other thing I want to make very clear to everyone and to remind them is just because Seattle signs a player at a certain position in free agency does not mean they're not going to draft in that position because this is what this team is doing this year. They're continuing for what they had last year where they're getting young They're drafting these players that have all this upside because they have to start laying the foundation for the next 10 years. And so if you see them sign a defensive end, if you see them sign, you know, put in whatever position that you thought for sure they were going to get in the draft, they probably still will. They probably are still going to get that position in the draft. And the flip side of this too, is that, you know, a week from now, a week and a half from now, um, the draft is going to look a lot different to us. You know, I've, I've kind of taken a break from mock drafting the last week or so. I was driving myself crazy because I was, just, <laughs> you know, you fall in love with certain players and the same players are available in the same ranges. And it just starts to kind of become Groundhog Day a little bit. And, and what I try to do in these mock drafts now is fill all the holes. Mm-hmm. But again, you're not going to do that with rookies. And so now Seahawks are going to go out and acquire some starting players on defense over the next couple of weeks. And then you can look at the draft and go, okay, you know what? They've taken care of starting linebacker and they've added a couple defensive linemen. So now we can let the draft come to us. Now we can mm-hmm. play around with some of these wide receiver possibilities or tight end or a corner positions that right now you might not think are a priority because the holes look so glaring that a week or two from now might not. Right. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a busy month and a half. And I think that that's one thing, you know, there's all those people out there. It's like, oh, the NFL never stops. Well, A, that's very true until you hit what we love about the draft. Well, the two weeks after the draft, you got a couple months and some downtime. But what's interesting is that the landscape of the entire NFL is going to change over the next 10 days. And then that then changes the entire landscape of the draft. And if you're really paying attention 
to not just Seattle, but the rest of the division, the rest of the league. It's not just Seattle, but those moves that some other teams make are going to affect the draft because then you might change and see who they are going to go after in some of those bigger, um, those higher draft picks, which is interesting. So just because Seattle didn't do it doesn't mean it won't affect them. And because of the two picks they have in the first round, I think that that's, it's worth people's while to pay attention to what is going on around the rest of the league. Uh, news came out today that the Panthers are already talking to people about trading out the first that they just traded for. That's and so, so it's, that it's chess the movie match, draft day. it's the movie draft day. I know it really is. <laughs> and so the thing of it is, is those chess pieces are constantly moving. And so that's, yeah. but what happens between today and a week from now, because really it's really busy for the, about the three days right around the new league year. And then it kind of calms down for a bit. And then you get those second level and third level free agent signings. But the next, you know, week to 10 days is really going to tell us a lot and then the moves that these other teams make will then affect what happens in the draft. So it's really fun if you are a fan of the league right now because you can see all the chess pieces being moved around. Well, we do have uh, breaking news. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the Jalen Ramsey trade is official. It's been it's been agreed to. He is now a Miami Dolphin. Apparently, uh, he was one of the teams that he wanted to go to and that weren't scared off by his contract demands. And so the return, not that much. The Rams are getting a third round pick, number 77 overall, and tight end Hunter Long. That is it. The Miami Dolphins get Jalen Ramsey to pair with Xavier Howard. What a cornerback duo that is as they continue building things with the Dolphins. So the uh, Rams teardown continues. Here's the interesting part of that. I want Buffalo Bills fans to pay attention to that because that means Miami is coming for you. Mm. And that's what, and that's the fun of the league because this is just not about the Rams. This is about Miami is building because they're coming after Buffalo. And so that's going to then have a power shift. We already saw that playoff game between the Bills and the, and the Dolphins, and it was a close game. And so they're just adding these little chess pieces that they are coming after. I know I keep saying chess pieces, but that's really the way I see it in my brain. And I'm sorry for repeating myself, but it's just like, it's so fun. And and that's the fun of this time of year. So oh, that, that defense could be really good. And, you know, they committed, know. To, they gave two of the fifth round or the, his fifth year option. Um, if he yeah. stays healthy, that offense really showed some flashes last year. That's going to be a fun team in Miami. It is going to be a fun team. And it also shows you where the Rams are at. If they mm-hmm. gave him away for that. For now, that what's capital? the next domino to fall down there? I mean, they're trying to trade Matthew Stafford. Who's there's not going to be a market for him. Are they going to no. release him or it's um, they might not be done. It could get interesting. Well, they, you guys, or they might ahead. be done. <laughs> well, they might be done, but they're not done with their moves. I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right, you guys, I know this was a long podcast. I hope you guys are all right with that. Um, we just had a lot to talk about today and there's a lot of, things that could change in the next couple of days. So make sure you still subscribe. You know, we have um, the rest of this month under the field goals banner, but then at the end of the month, Dan is going to be taking over this feed for his Seahawks forever podcast. And I say his, but I will be on occasionally as will Brandon and all of the rest of us. So not much will change with the podcast other than the name. Um, so you don't have to change your subscription. You don't have to do anything. It will still be sent right to you on all your favorite um, podcast apps. Um, but please give it a check out and we will see you. We'll probably talk again. later. I can't wait to have a conversation after Wednesday. I mm-hmm. think that's going to be an interesting time for us to kind of revisit this. And any big, big breaking news, um, you know, if I've got a chance to react to it, I will. And, Absolutely. And, uh, if you and I can get together and talk about it after some things, after the dust settles before the end of the month, we'll do that as well. <laughs> 
Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. This is the Field Goals Podcast.